Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I am uh, Peter Weaver, uh, and I'm the host or moderator uh, this evening. Um, I could tell you that I'm, I'm the correspondent of Politiken in Berlin, but of more interest is uh, perhaps that I was. Uh, uh, for some years um, and many years uh, acquired and for some years uh, editor-in-chief of Information. And Information, uh, this is uh, uh, a newspaper grounded by um, uh, the Danish resistance movement. Uh, so um, I was brought up in the tradition of the resistance movement, so I'm a, a bit a hardliner on the questions we are going to discuss uh, this evening. Um, and uh, <coughs> um, the other and the other sessions we have we have uh, talked about the victims of of the, the German Holocaust, and uh, now we're going to talk about uh, the murderers, or at least one of the the murderers. Uh, he, he was a, a desk. A, a, uh, job desk murderer, a man who, who sat behind his desk and, and uh, conducted a lot of terrible things. And the man who will tell us about this is um, uh, Dr. Ulrich Herbert, and uh, we couldn't ask for anyone better than Ulrich Herbert to, to explain us who uh, Dr. Best was. Um, <clears throat> Professor Herbert uh, teaches in, in Freiburg and has a long career of, of research within this, uh, exactly this subject. In the 90s, uh, Professor Herbert uh, made his habilitation, his, his doctoral thesis on uh, 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 Dr. Werner Best, uh, a colleague. <laughs> uh, and um, uh, the book came out in this form. <coughs> in the year 2000 um, and is um, um, was the basis I can uh, say that for, for a Danish book on, on uh, Werner Best this was such, such uh, 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 much a basis that, that I think that the very very last parts of the Danish book is taken from this, this here um, and certainly the conclusions um, but uh, here we shall hear and meet the original, um, um, and the book is an absolutely wonderful book because because it not only tells us the historical um, current through uh, uh, Dr. Best's career, but also, and which I find increasingly interesting, his his thoughts. Why, why did he? What was his ideology? Um, and uh, uh, this brings us to a very fundamental question, um, because uh, this is discussed in Denmark and and, uh, and in other places. If if uh, Dr. Best saved the Danish Jews uh, by warning them, uh, and this is. Um, in my opinion, and I think also was what I have learned from reading the book, it was false. The question is false to, to, to say that uh, or ask if he saved the Danish Jews because it was not at all his purpose. His purpose was to clean Denmark from Jews, and this was what he did. But um, uh, I'll start by giving you the word for 
20 minutes? Maybe 22. Many? 22. We have agreed on 22 <laughs> during the lunch, so it's all right. <laughs>
From mid-1941 on, these actors were to be found mainly in the Reich's security head office, the so-called Reichssicherheitsaufdamt, the central of SS and Gestapo, in certain divisions of the Foreign Office, and last but not least, in the Führerhauptquartier. The other group consisted of those who, while they made no criticism of German-Jewish policy as a whole, were keen to continue the so-called Danish experiment, sometimes for quite different reasons. The key actors here were the German Ministry of Agriculture, for obvious reasons, parts of the Foreign Office, the German Wehrmacht leadership in Denmark, and above all, the Reich plenipotentiaries in Denmark. Plenipotentiary is a very seldom uh, term, it means more or less ambassador, but because uh, of the special situation, it was called plenipotentiary. The Reich plenipotentiaries in Denmark who feared that if Germany were to take action against the Danish Jews, it would mean the end of the policy of negotiation, the Samarbeitspolitik, and the associated benefits enjoyed by Germany. In German eyes, Denmark was a model protectorate that was supposed to demonstrate to the countries of Western Europe how advantages life under German hegemony might one day be for them. With this in mind, the envoy Cecil von Rentefink, a career diplomat and the German Empire's plenipotentiary in Copenhagen until November 42, had always rejected proposals from the Foreign Office to solve the, German, the Jewish problem in Denmark. <coughs> People expected something quite different from Dr. Werner Best, who succeeded von Rentefink in November 42. As Heydrich's deputy, until 1940, Best had been the leading organizer and ideologue of the Gestapo, the Gestapo and subsequently of the Reichssicherheitshauptamt. Not only had he played an important and active role in anti-Jewish policies in Germany, but as chief military administrator in France between 1940 and 1942, in the deportation of the French Jews as well. I will come back to this point a little bit later. At the same time, however, the SS general group leader, Gruppenführer, is a very high-ranking uh, um, grade, SS group leader uh, Best was very keen for the Danish model, centered on the policy of negotiation, to succeed. Not just because he believed it to be in Germany's, Germany's best interest, but also for ideological reasons. He believed it could demonstrate the practical viability of the, the vision of a racially segmented German-dominated Europe, including privileged Germanic states like Denmark. An idea that had preoccupied many of the intellectuals in the SS leadership at that time. Against this background, for best, the fate of the numerically small Jewish community in Denmark was of lower significance and interest. Best first expressed his view on the subject in 1943 to the Foreign Office, emphasizing that Germany should refrain from deporting the Jews from Denmark as long as this would endanger the Danish model. If the policy of negotiation came to an end, however, Best suggested, then the authorities could and should set about deporting the Jews. But not before. 
and the Foreign Office agreed with West. He had he also, and this was very important, he also had the explicit support of Reich SS leader Heinrich Himmler, who decided in late, late June 1943 that for the time being there would be no Jewish measures quote, in Denmark out of consideration for Best's policy. I have to tell that the SS leadership admired Best's policy in Denmark because it showed that the SS could do it better than the Foreign Office. There was a rivalry between the two. These parameters, parameters changed as a result of the well-known August uprising of 1943 in Copenhagen and in Denmark law. A state of emergency was declared in Denmark on August 29-43 on the direct orders of Hitler. Supreme Commander General Hermann von Hanneken assumed executive, executive authority. The Danish government resigned and the office of the High Plenipotentiary was rendered null and void for the time being. This sealed the fate of the Danish model protectorate. But it also meant that Germany no longer felt any need for restraint with respect to the Jewish issue. But just a few days after the state of emergency had been declared, however, the impression took hold in Berlin that implementing military rule in Denmark would be counterproductive in both military and economic terms as well as imposing a heavy burden in additional personnel. This prompted Hitler to reverse his decision and reinstall Best as Reich plenipotentiary. But the state of emergency seemed to have eliminated the risk of unrest, or that at least rendered it calculable, and there was no longer any prospect of a legit legitimate Danish government. This meant that the German authorities could now begin to implement those measures they had long viewed as desirable, but had so far shelved out of political consideration for the Danish government and for fear of strikes and unrest. This applied above all to German Jewish policy, and on September 8, Best sent his well-known telegram to the Foreign Office, and I quote, if we are to be consistent in implementing our new course in Denmark, then I believe we must now contemplate a solution to the Jewish and Freemason question in Denmark. The necessary measures must be taken while the current state of emergency remains in place, since at a later stage they would trigger a response in the country that would lead to reposition of the general state of emergency, probably under less favorable conditions than at present. In light of our dis discussion so far here, the text and the context of this telegram are unambiguous and leave no room for interpretation. The end of the model protectorate also meant an end to German restraint with respect to the Jewish question. This telegram, which called for deportation to be carried out under the state of emergency, was the logical consequence. Best himself, however, later provided a very different explanation of the genesis of this telegram. In reality, he explained, in reality, this telegram was intended to prevent actions against the Jews. Remarkably, 
this bizarre claim, first aired by the best during his 1948 trial in Copenhagen, has been taken seriously in virtually all the specialist literature in German, though not in other languages, until the late 80s. Yet every aspect of this version of the telegram's genesis is refutable. It is in fact, as we now know, the result of a strategy of mitigation agreed by foreign office, uh, foreign office officials who have been involved in the anti-Jewish policy and a strategy they, they settled on while in prison in Nuremberg in April 1948. As a witness, Best, along with Sonnleitner and other leading officials of the Foreign Office, shared a cell block, cell block there for several weeks. And are never, this interpretation has never been there before, but after April 48 it was launched. But we have to keep in mind, Best has to face a death penalty. If he could convince his judges that he had helped to save the life of the Danish Jews, or anything to do with it, he could have a chance to survive. And, as we know, he was successful. So it's no wonder that a man tries to save his life with, this, with a story like this. But it is amazing that so many people believed in this story for such a long time. <coughs> On the other hand, particularly since the appearance of the seminal study by Lenny Yahil, there has been repeated speculation until today that it was primarily for tactical reasons that best pursued the solution of the Jewish questions in Denmark at this point in time. These interpretations and explanations of best behavior identify the motive for the deportation of the Jews as something like a third factor, such as power political rivalries or personal ambition. But for Best, as for most other leaders um, of the SS and the Foreign Office, the elimination of the Jews from the German-controlled territories was a sui generis political objective. It was not an instrument for anything else. So there is no need to look for other goals supposedly pursued through the action against the Jews. The deporting of the Jews was a number one political goal of the Nazis. To come back to France for a very short while. In France, as head of the German military government's internal administration, Best was responsible, among other things, for supervising the entire French administrative system, including the police. In 1941 and 1942, he had played a major role in ensuring that attacks on German soldiers by the French uh, resistance movement were no longer punished through the shooting of randomly selected French victims, but through the mass deportation of Jews and communists to the East. His goal was to avoid further exacerbating anti-German sentiment among French populace by shooting non-Jewish French citizens. He could also achieve the long-cherished aim of driving the Jews out of France. It was under the auspices of this initiative that the deportation of French Jews began in the spring of 1942. Best's action in Denmark conformed to this pattern. Best did not suggest implementing the Jewish campaign in Denmark in order to prevent it, but in order to carry it out. 
Let us now have a closer look what happened in the days after this telegram in Berlin. In the Foreign Office, this telegram of September 8 came as no surprise. And it expressed its support for his proposal. They had expected it and they supported it. But what much more important was that Hitler himself gave his approval on <coughs> September 17. And the Reich Plenipotentiary, so Hitler, need only state how many additional police units he required. So the Führer had given the order, and the mass deportation must now begin. There was no alternative for an S leader after such an order. <coughs> As we know, the Jewish campaign that had now been set in motion did not go according to this plan. The rumors of impending anti-Jewish measures by the Germans had already been circulating for some time, particularly in Copenhagen. These rumors were further nourished by the seizure of the records of the Jewish community and, and the arrest of some of its leading members. Soon after this, the German police units from Norway that had been requested to help carry out the campaign arrived in Copenhagen and spoke openly about the reasons for the transfer. So little doubt now remained. The long-feared deportation of the Danish Jews was clearly imminent. Preparations for the mass escape had been set in motion already by mid-September, though it was not yet clear when exactly the German campaign would be launched. When Rudolf Mildner, the new commander of the security police and security service, Sicherheitspolizei und SD, arrived in Copenhagen from Katowice on September 20. He soon realized that people throughout Denmark were already well aware of the impending anti-Jewish measures, prompting those affected to take preventive measures. Further, the newly deployed German police units suffered a severe lack of local knowledge. The Wehrmacht, meanwhile, had received orders not to take part in the campaign, which meant that the available German forces were relatively weak. By the way, this was quite normal that the Wehrmacht did not take part in such measures. It was only an exception when they did. In light of this, the question of the deportation of Jews was put to Hitler again on September 22. And its likely consequences were highlighted to him. Unrest, <coughs> general strikes, the end of constitutional government, and possible abdication by the king. Unswayed by these concerns, Hitler decided that the Jewish campaign should be carried out in line with best proposals. <coughs> Yet by this point, as both Milner and Best agreed, it was not certain and in fact improbable that the campaign would succeed in the way in envisaged by its German initiators. Best pointed this out explicitly in the telegram to the Foreign Office, referring to, and I quote, rumors about the impending Jewish campaign that began immediately following the imposition of the state of emergency and have escalated to the point of having induced a general state of panic, end quote. He had, he explained, attempted to keep the impending campaign under wraps, but without success. Many Jews had left their homes and the campaign was likely to be in at least part partial failure. It was in this situation 
that best informed one member of his staff, his, the shipping expert, Georg Ferdinand Ludwig, of the planned date of campaign, 1st October, 10 p.m. We do not know exactly why best informed Duquitz, and we also do not know if Duquitz had known it already before, as it seemed to be no big secret in uh, Copenhagen at these, these days. But we do know that best knew Duquitz to be in contact with a number of leading Danish Social Democrats. Duquitz immediately passed on this information to three prominent Danish Social Democrats, all members of the Danish Freedom Council, established newly a week later, some weeks before. Now there, have, there has been much speculation and is still about the motives of the, Reich, the German Reich Plenipotentiary in informing Dukwitz of the planned date of the campaign and about Dukwitz's conduct itself. His unpublished memoirs, which Dukwitz wrote in the early 1950s and deposited it in the German Federal Archive, have played a major role here. He rewrote the chapter on the deportation of the Jews in early 1964, substituting it for the old version in both his unpublished papers and in the archives. In both versions, in those cases where we can check his statement against primary sources, he shows considerable ignorance, not just of the background to the um, the background to the Jewish campaign, but also of the political structure of the Nazi regime as a whole and various individual backgrounds. Let me show this in four examples. First, in the 1952 version, we find the claim that in early September 1943, after so <coughs> that in early September 1943, after, and I quote, certain circles had suggested deportation of Denmark's Jews to Hitler. Best had become convinced that the Reichssicherheitshauptamt was opposed to the measure. The Reichssicherheitshauptamt, the center of darkness. This is completely absurd. By this point, the Reichssicherheitshauptamt has already overseen the murder of almost 5 million Jews and was now sending its henchmen to isolated Greek islands to apprehend the Jews living there and send them to Auschwitz at the same days. So there was nothing like, not, they were not convinced of, uh, of deporting the Jews. Second, Dukwitz goes on. On September 13, 1943, Best had sent him to Berlin to explain to the Foreign Office the true reasons for sending the telegram of September 8. But he, Dukwitz, had come too late and the telegram has already reached Hitler. In fact, this is not true. The telegram lay in the political department of the Foreign Office until September 16. Ribbentrop's conversation with Hitler took place in September 17, so here Dukwitz notes a complete fabrication. There's not no more true on it. The third, according to Dukwitz, Best had clung to the fact that the reply of September 19 merely stated that the decision to take action had been made in principle. In fact, however, Best was informed on September 18 that the Führer had given its definite approval. So this statement is false as well. And fourth, just a second. Sorry. And fourth, <coughs> according to Dukwitz, Mildner, commander of the security police, 
had been against the campaign because, and I quote, he did not want to burden the new German police force in Copenhagen with this action. This is in fact an outlandish claim. This passage was deleted in the second version of Duquid's memoirs after Duquid had learned that before he had sent it to Denmark, that Miltner has been the Gestapo chief in Katowice, the district with responsibility for the camp at Auschwitz, and that he had played a crucial role in the deportation of the upper Silesian Jews to Auschwitz. By making such statements in his papers, but also in court and in his memoirs, Duquitz was presum presumably att attempting to save Best from execution. This may explain why he stuck to this account for the rest of his life, despite it becoming increasingly untenable as new sources of information emerged. His statements on the subject damaged Duquitz's otherwise deservedly shining image, because there is no doubt that Duquitz informed the Danish Social Democrats, Hans Hedhoft, Hans Christian Hansen, Wilhelm Brun, about the planned date of the Jewish campaign, that he had contact with Sweden, with the Swedish government, and that all makes him one of the very, very few German office holders to play an active part in the rescue of imperial Jews. But on the other hand, one should not take it for granted what he told us, because he had several motives, and one of them is to save the life of Vanderbilt. Drawing on Duke's statements, however, after the war, Best put about the following version of the implementation of the campaign and the rescue of the Danish Jews. Once he noticed, he best noticed, that his original plan to prevent the deportation of the Jews by calling for it, after this has failed, he had asked Dukwitz to warn the Jews as planned earlier, and thus to inform the social democrat politicians of the planned state of the campaign. In other words, he best had long been planning to rescue the Jews and had now set a rescue in motion. Best managed it to get this extraordinary claim established within the German language research literature for 30 years. But this account too is implausible and contradicts with available evidence. For at a time when Best was supposedly already planning to warn the Jews, he not only had the record of the Jewish community seized, but also rejected a proposal by General von Hanneken to end the state of emergency, which he justified on the basis that the deportation of the Jews must be carried out first. It was best said, let's first deport the Jews and then end the state of the Jew emergency. That's a little bit different than, than to prevent it. <coughs> by highlighting von Hanneken's responsibility, best could easily have broken off the campaign at this point. When Duquitz passed on the planned day to the Danish resistance, it caused even greater panic among the Danish Jews and accelerated their flight before long all had flight to the country. And this is precisely how Best explained this development in a private confidential discussion with a man well known to him, the former head official of the Reichssicherheitshauptamt Franz Alfred Six on October 2nd, 1943, it's a private letter. Here he explained that the Jewish campaign had become public, public knowledge at an early stage, 
and had led to outright panic over the course of September. The Jews had had an entire month to prepare their flight, so that only a tiny proportion of them could have been captured. Nonetheless, he said in this letter, Denmark has been entirely purged of, uh, purged of Jews through this campaign. There is no reason to doubt Best's account in this private regard. It accords with the course of the event that we can reconstruct from primary sources and the statements of the Danes involved, as well as with Best's political views and his actions in comparable earlier situations. So, what exactly do we know? Essentially, just two things. First, Best wished to deport the Jews and to calm things down in Denmark. And second, Dupis made the date of the campaign known to the Danes. This made it possible to get the Jews across the sound in good time. Everything, everything else is pure speculation. Given Best's background, hypothesis to the effect that Best wished to save the Jews could be regarded as outlandish. It means to explain the motive of Best's actions from the results. We know the results and then we deduce it. What motive might have? It is quite bizarre to suggest that through deliberate indiscretion Best had used Berkowitz to achieve the expulsion of the Jews and avoid arresting and deporting them. As demonstrated by Best's official diary, Best and Dukwitz did not see a lot of one another, uh, a, a lot of one another, and they were not well acquainted. They were not friends or something. They didn't know each other very well. It is not hard to imagine the risk that Best would have been taking if Dukwitz had let it be known that Best had failed to carry out the Führer's order. What are we left with is the fact that the Jewish campaign was known about an early stage, Dukwitz learned of the appointed date and passed it on. But it's of course quite comprehensible that Best tried to sell this setback as a success to his superiors. What do you want? Denmark is free of Jews. So, at the end, why did it prove possible to rescue the Jews of Denmark unlike those of other countries occupied by Germany? First, the situation of the German side was inconsistent and contradictory because they had two Führerbefehle. One Führer order to deport the Jews from Denmark. And they had another Führer order to continue the politics of cooperation. So both did not work together. They were totally contradictory. As a result, there was no extensive and no secret preparation for the anti-Jewish action. There was a lack of staff. There was no support by the Wehrmacht units. And the date of operation became known by the Danish resistance movement. So many different factors and actors are to be seen in this process. And much was decided by chance. In this situation, the Danish resistance movement acted fast and determined. It is this determination and unanimity, unanimity that made the situation in Denmark crucially different from that in other European countries occupied by Germany. Against this background, the Danes, man Danes managed to exploit the German indecision and inconsistency, whatever its motivation. So, 
The rescue of the Danish Jews thus stands as evidence that the murder of millions of Jews was not an inescapable fate. An automatic event that no one could do anything to stop. To this day, the Danes' behavior provides us with an example of the determination not simply stand back and watch while one's fellow citizens are ostracized, discriminated against and ultimately deported. And this is where the crucial difference lies. Thank you very much.